Hello, everyone. This is Matthew Robinson for LA Theater Bites. Today, I'm excited to be joined by actress of the stage and on television, Danielle Monet Truitt, who's also been in Law and Order Organized Crime. She will be presenting her electrifying one woman play, Three Black Girls Blues, at the Los Angeles Theater Hudson on Theater Row. Danielle, thank you so much for being here on the show today. Thank you for having me, Matthew. Well, First of all, I'm really excited about this show, reading up about it, reading about the approach that you are taking. You're playing three characters in this show. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in theater? Sure. Uh, so I'm from Sacramento, California. Originally, I'm, I was born and raised there. Um, I've always been in the arts. I was a singer, you know, started singing since I was like eight and performing in talent shows, dancing and everything. And then when I got to college uh, at Sacramento State, I took a theater class and my professor just encouraged me to take acting a little bit more serious. So I did. And I ended up majoring in theater and doing, um, started doing equity plays and stuff like that. And once I made the transition to LA, I was just looking for an opportunity. You know, I moved to L.A. with just on pure faith. <laughs> I didn't have any connections. I didn't have an agent or anything like that. Um, and so I was looking for opportunities. And I just had the idea of, you know, creating a one woman show. So I called a close friend of mine, uh, Anthony Dewan, because he's a fantastic writer. And I asked him if he would help me to create a one woman show that focused on, you know, the lives of black women on um, self introspection, uh, self esteem, self love, you know, and um, just something that I could kind of sink my teeth into as an actor, something that would challenge me. And so we started working on it about, I guess, gosh, 13 years ago. I wow. think. And um, so about 11 years ago, I started producing it um, and I produced it when I, I didn't have anything like I didn't have any money. <laughs> I would just put it up one one day, you know, one or two shows and invite my friends. I mean, some of my friends have seen the play at least like five or six times. Um, it is really it is the highlight of my career. And I've done some pretty cool things in my career. But this play is is uh, one of my favorite things. Oh my gosh, I mean, that's amazing. First of all, just to have put this much time and effort into a show, 13 years. Do you remember what like really sparked the seed of this idea? Do you remember what was like, oh, this is what I need to write about? Like, I know you talked about wanting to have a show about like black women, about these certain issues, but like what was really like that moment where you're like, this is what I have to write? Well, I think at that time in my life, I was about 26. I had just gotten married um, and I was new in L.A., you know, coming from Sacramento. And I think for a lot of black women navigating entertainment, it it becomes difficult to stay encouraged um, and to to really believe like that your the way you look you know the way that you were created is is good enough you know you uh i'm a brown skinned girl with natural hair um i have beautiful big lips and you know i i'm i'm very proud of my 
of my features, but in the media and in the entertainment world for a long time, my features weren't really the ones that were like desirable. My skin color wasn't really, you know, the color that was desirable. And when I first moved to LA, I didn't, I didn't really have the look that, you know, they were looking for, you know? So um, I struggled a bit, you know, with just keeping myself, you know, encouraged and knowing that um, I have, you know, I have everything inside of me, you know, to be successful and that the right opportunities would come to me, you know, at, at, at the right time. And so I think that is part of what sparked it. Also, I saw a one man play oh. uh, up in Sacramento right before I moved to LA and it, I was super inspired by that. And it was uh, this black guy and I, I wish I could remember his name, but I don't. Um, but I was watching what he was doing and, you know, going in and out of these different characters and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh my God, that's so cool. And I had never done anything like that. You know, I've just done, had done regular straight plays with other actors, but I was really inspired and I felt like, I don't know if I can do that, but I feel like I can do that. <laughs> well, I, mean, um, I mean, I totally understand that feeling. You see it and you're like, wow, okay, so I can do that. I can see it. You see, yeah. and whether it's your personality or maybe something that's your tone or someone that looks like you, you're like, wait, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that's, that. that's the beautiful thing about art, I think, you know, and in, it ignites something in you that you don't even not, sometimes know is there. And then you end up, you know, creating your own stuff. So I think it was a mix of seeing that show. Um, it was a mix of, you know, what I was dealing with personally, you know, in Los Angeles. I think I had I was like under a lot of stress too. like after my wedding, I had like a bald spot in my hair. And, you know, so that just <laughs> it just compounded on how I was already feeling. And so I was like, if I'm feeling this way. I'm pretty sure there are other black women out here that are feeling similar. And so if I can, if I can create a show that just celebrates us and our stories and the, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, and that makes us more human, I, I want to do something like that. So I had no idea what it was going to be. I just told him, I want to do one woman show. Can you help me? And we just he just started writing these little vignettes, you know, right. and over time and over time, I think about a, two years, he was just send me vignettes, send me little, you know, monologues and stuff. And I would tell him what I liked and didn't like. And and then he came up with what we now call, you know, three black girl blues and, um, you know, just took it from there. So one thing I want to know, and I know this kind of might seem like a non sequitur people is what is the African-American community like in Sacramento? Did you feel like you were very fostered there? Um, is it different from LA? Is it more close knit? Is it not as close knit? Is it a little bit more spread out? Like what was that kind of cultural, cultural difference between Sacramento and Los Angeles? Oh, so that's such a cool question. Um, well, so when I was growing up, I grew up in South Sacramento, which is predominantly black. So I was around, you know, a lot of black people. I went to church with black people. <laughs> you know, when I was five, we drove by a church and it was all white people standing outside. And I was like, mom, white people believe in God? Like, I, <laughs> I didn't know because, you know, at that age, only black people were at church, you know. So mm. I grew up 
you know, around and in spaces that were predominantly black, but also it was very church heavy. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like the arts, you know, I, I didn't get into that space until I got to college and at Sac State, I was the only black woman in the theater department. Um, but they had a group called Sons and Ancestors and they would do a black play, you know, every um, black history month. <laughs> Cause they, <laughs> you know, they act like that's the only time we could do a black play during black right. history month. Um, so we, so when I got to college and my professor, you know, suggested that I do theater, she told me about Sons and Ancestors and, um, Jim Utz was the pr- professor that was over that that group, and he really took me under his wing. I ended up getting the lead in a Susie Laurie Parks play called The America Play, and I just kind of stuck with Sons and Ancestors. And then they told me about Celebration Arts, was a which was a community, a black community theater, and in Sacramento, and so I just I quickly got immersed in the small black theater you know, population that was in Sacramento and, and, you know, it wasn't a big group of, of actors, you know, black actors, but they definitely were very instrumental in giving me opportunities, you know, to explore black theater, you know, and learn. Uh, yeah, how I to- think that's really important because yeah. I, I've talked with a lot of people and I, you know, I talk here in the LA theater community, which LA's black theater community sometimes feels very, very small. And, and that can be both good and it can also be bad in certain ways. And right. I grew up before I moved to Cincinnati and eventually LA, I grew up in DC, in mm-hmm. DC proper, you know, which in the 90s was 100% mm-hmm. chocolate city. I think now it's kind of more, to be frank, milk chocolate city. But <laughs> um, at the time, it was a very, very capital B black city. And yeah. I think it does affect your viewpoint of the arts. I think it does affect your viewpoint of how you see yourself as mm-hmm. a performer, as an artist, as a person, when yes. you see people around you who can foster that. And so with your, as you're making Three Black Girls, are you ever thinking about the audience and about the Black women in the audience, perhaps who are going through maybe what you are going through or something different? Like who... Did you have anyone particular in mind when you were making this show? So I'm always thinking about Black women because I am one. I love us. You know, my mom, my aunts, my sisters, you know, the women who are my tribe, like they're all, they all come to play in this play. You know what I mean? And when we were writing it and it's crazy that Anthony is a Black man and who helped me write this. And, you know, he wrote the majority of it, to be honest, over the years, I've kind of re- rewritten certain things, but to have a, a black man writing three uh, different kinds of women in this play, it's really kind of fascinating because usually men are not that great at writing fully developed um, female characters. Like you see it, in theater across the board you see it on television you know women a lot of times when men write for women they're writing their experience of women and you know how they feel about women but they're not really writing women in an authentic way and Anthony just did a a a fantastic job of, of writing these women because he just wrote them as human beings you know 
And um, I think, you know, when my sister, my sister's seen the play several times, my younger sister, and she's like, oh, the first character, Keisha, that's me. That's me, you know? And <laughs> and I wasn't thinking, like, Anthony, write this, you know, write this um, to be Natalie. But there's so, that's my sister's name, but there's so many things about Keisha that remind us of the girls that we grew up with in high school, you know, in South Sacramento and, you know, and... So, yes, I'm always thinking of of us and what I've learned the most out of doing this play is how much I am like all three of these women. And when I first started doing this play, I didn't really see myself as being like any of them. Oh, interesting. But the more the more that I've worked on it and the more I've lived life and had failures in my life and had to come back from them and, you know, had different things happen in my life, I see myself in these characters and how and how much I really am <laughs> a lot like them I'm like oh my god like you know so when I first started working on the play it was a little hard for me to drop into these characters because I I kind of was judging them a little bit and you know as an actor you can't judge your character if you want to if you want to play them authentically you know you have to embrace who they are and their flaws and things like that but at the end of the day, I was having a hard time not judging myself, you know. So the the more that I started to love myself and accept myself, the more that I accepted these characters. Um, and that's why, you know, at this point, I feel like I'm doing myself and women and men who see this play a great service. Because every time I finish doing this play, people come up to me and say how much this character meant to them or how they saw themselves in this character. I mean, I, I had a white, a old 60 year old white man that told me that the first character in the play, which is Keisha, who's a very urban ghetto black woman. He was like, Oh, I could relate to Keisha. <laughs> and but that's, I was like, that speaks to the really? universality of these stories. Cause you now, uh, for those who don't know, you have three characters. There's, there's Keisha, there's mm -hmm. Jill. And there's yeah. Stephanie and they kind of grew up together and they're now adult women. They're now facing several adult problems that they're now yeah. having to deal with. Yeah. Um, what are those three problems? What are those three problems that people are going to be kind of experiencing with these characters? So, I mean, there's several, but um, one of them is self, a lack of self-worth. Um, you're, you're definitely going to see, the character struggle with not just not feeling worthy to especially Keisha she she struggles with self-worth you know she she puts on like she's tough like you know she can handle this and that but at the end of the day she allows things um to happen in her life she she she's not empowered mm. to change her reality she doesn't really even know how to be honest, like she's been in the same pattern for so long, she doesn't know how to get out of the cycle, you know? And a lot of times when we're stuck in a cycle of poverty, we're stuck in a cycle of toxicity, it's because we have a lack of self-worth. We don't really see how amazing we truly are and we don't see what we actually deserve, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, so that's one. And then another thing that these characters struggle with is shame. Um, 
you know, they they have done the, uh, the third character, Stephanie. She struggles with shame. And a lot of people who struggle with shame, um, and I can relate to this personally. Um, I can relate to all of it. But uh, at a young age, when something happens to you, whether it's, uh, you know, it could be abuse, it could be abandonment by a parent, whatever, you take on this shame. You take on the idea that you deserved whatever whatever happened and if you would have been different in this way maybe it wouldn't have happened to you and um and a lot of times when people are struggling with shame they achieve a lot they are very high achievers um because the more that they achieve the more that they perform well the more that they feel like they are accepted and they're loved um and a lot of times there's the shame is really underneath the motivation for becoming successful in a lot of ways because you don't have to deal with that shame if the world looks at you and says oh my god you're a you're on a hit tv show <laughs> you know <laughs> you've achieved this great you know you've achieved this great feat in your life you know and so you feel like okay i don't have to deal with the things that i that that make me feel shame if i can just keep performing well and so Stephanie is, you know, on the outside, she has it all together. You know, she is fly from head to toe. She has the best job, drives the best cars, you know, whatever. But she has these, this deep pain and this shame in her that has caused her to struggle with mental illness, you know, with depression and stuff. And so you get to see a woman struggling, you know, in the, in that area. And then the, the other thing that you'll see um is uh gosh the the Jill um she struggles with um just not feeling like she's enough so she I think she's a mixture of of you know feeling a lack of self-worth you know mm -hmm. um but she hides behind you know, she has kids, she's a stay-at-home mom, she has, she has, she has the two kids, you know, with the picket fence, white picket fence, and the husband, you know, that works, and she's a Christian, and she just doesn't know who she is, mm. you know, I think that's her thing, I think a lot of, uh, self, yeah, identity, sorry, Jill is struggling with identity, you know, Keisha's struggling with a uh, lack of self-worth, Jill is struggling with a lack of uh, identity, and um stephanie is 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 struggling um with shame and i think when you have a lack of of self identity when you don't know who you are you just believe whatever someone has told you that you are and you play that part until you can't anymore and i think when we start getting older uh, when we start growing up and we're in our 30s 40s a lot of these things, you know, we can't, we just can't maintain them. We can't maintain those masks anymore, you know? So is and this so, a way that you feel like, you know, you're, you're talking about a lot of really good, serious issues. Is is this a play? Is there laughter in this play as well? Is this like, how, what is the Oh my God, yes. Go for? That's the cool part about it. It is hilarious. Like, People, especially Keisha, like Keisha, the first character, she she hits you hard. Like she's full of energy. She's funny as heck. Like and it's because 
the things that she says are it's, it's it's those moments where you're like, oh, my God, I thought that I thought that a million times, but I've never actually put voice to it. Like I've never said it. So to see a character say the things that you like wish you could say or have wanted to say, but never have said it just makes you crack up laughing like you know so you know there's it's just the characters are so relatable that you will definitely be laughing and then the cool thing about the play is one minute you'll be cracking up laughing and then the next minute you will cry mm, I love like, shows it, like that yeah it just it really takes you on a on a roller coaster every character you see uh jill keisha and stephanie they are all hilarious in their own way and the way that they see the world and the way that they deal with certain things sometimes you'll be laughing because something is like hilariously funny but then other times you'll be laughing because something is ironic you know mm. um you know that they the ways that they navigate and the ways that they think and the human behavior that you you're going to see when you're watching the play, it's going to be so authentic and it's going to be stuff that you can personally relate to, or, you know, people who are just like that, you know, so it makes you, it makes you laugh, but there's, there's music in the, like the, I'm really proud of my music choices for, <laughs> for the play. Um, so there's really great music that you're going to hear, like transitions in the scenes and the, even in the Keisha, in the Keisha uh, monologue, there's like a whole dance sequence, party sequence. So you're definitely going to have fun too, while you're also having to kind of face some, some serious issues. And I think that's what makes it great because that's life. Yes. You know, right now I'm juggling so many things. I'm a little overwhelmed right now with all the things I have going on. But if my friend calls me and she says something funny, I'm going to laugh. You know, like even if I might be crying, I'll be crying one second and she'll say something funny and I'll be laughing because that's just that's life. You know, it's, you get, it encompasses it all. And so does this play. Oh, man. Well, I'm excited to see this. And I want everyone else as we're winding down here, I want everyone else to know how they can find the show, where they can go see it. I know it's playing at the Hudson Theaters uh, on Theater Row, but where can they get tickets? Um, where can they find out more information about this show if they want to go and see it? Um, so to get tickets, you can go to www.hudsontheater.com and you can purchase tickets there. We also have some tickets up on Gold Star, um, a limited amount of tickets, but there's some tickets on Gold Star. Um, to get more information about the play, you can go to www.3blackgirlblues.com. And also, I have a ton of stuff on my Instagram page, which is Dan Danielle Monet Truitt. And we also have an Instagram page for the play, and it's Three Black Girl Blues. Fantastic. And it's the, it's the number three, not the, the word three, the number three. Oh, very good to know. Now, when does the show open and when does it run until? So the show opens May 19th and it runs from May 19th to June 4th. And it plays uh, Friday through Sunday. One show on Friday at 8 p.m., two shows on Saturday, 8 p.m. and 2 p.m., and one show on Sunday at 2 p.m. Terrific, terrific. Well, Danielle, thank you again so much for being here on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been wonderful talking with you, and I cannot wait uh, for your show to go up. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great talking to you, too. I can't wait to meet you in person. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and again, thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you for your continued support of theater and the performing arts here in Los Angeles. 
Like I said, you can check out more about our theater community on the Reddit subreddit backslash R Los Angeles Theater, where we have a multitude of articles, conversations, reviews, interviews, all there for people to uh, peruse through. And of course, thank you again for checking out our website and our SoundCloud account. Until next time, I'm Matthew Robinson. I'll see you at the theater.